Hello, and thank you for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in our third day of reading about contentment and people being content in tough situations and also just what it means to be content or how to be content. But before we get started with the reading, I just want to open with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for being God, for loving us and caring about us. Thank you for this day that we were able to wake up and start a new day, that we were able to start worshiping you, and that we were able to get to know you more. I just pray, Father, for this day to be a good day, a day in in which we bring you glory and honor, that our hearts, our spirits, and our minds would be open to you. And that we'd be totally available to be used by you to bring glory and honor to you. I pray that this time your words would be the ones that are spoken. Remove me from it completely. And that we would be and I would be a receptacle for you and for your spirit and for your knowledge. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today I wanted to cover off on a couple of things because... In my journey, I'm having my own challenges. I'm challenged with contentment. I'm challenged with resting in God for everything from this podcast to my family, my job, whatever it might be. It's just a constant battle because I want to be in charge. I want to be the one. I I want to follow a plan and I don't always see a plan so that's where I then get to a point where I'm just like man what's going on and I want to be in charge and so I'm not very content and after um after reading Revelation it was both exciting rewarding encouraging and also kind of disturbing because I'm thinking about what's going to happen to our world And it saddens me. And then I start looking around and I start and I see what is actually going on right now. And that saddens me. And so I just think about those different pieces. And so my heart has been troubled. It hasn't been at peace. And so that's why I wanted to go through the contentment section or reading and focus on that a little bit before we move on to another book and go through another book of the Bible. But one of the things I wanted to also look at, and so I'm really trying to figure out why am I not quite, you know, experiencing all the peace. Um, You know, I don't, and it's not God, it's me. It's me, you know, it's my own rebellion, if anything. And so I was, I was looking at a post on Instagram by the Stoic Outlaw. The Stoic Outlaw is pretty cool. And I'm just going to quickly go through it real. It's just a few, few pieces of, you know, tidbits here. And it talks about the addiction. No one talks about. That's the title. Scrolling, eating, drinking, more scrolling, Netflix, porn, TV, even more scrolling. This is called living in the state of excessive consumption, mindless activity that gives us temporary pleasure. This is why most people are addicted to consumption 
But do you know what this is doing to your brain? It's frying your dopamine receptors, bombarding your mind and nervous system with way too much. This is why you can't focus, can't sleep, lose motivation, struggle to be present, etc. Humans aren't meant to be exposed to the amount of stimulation the modern world brings. Which is why the Stoics advised us to exercise the virtue of moderation. Moderation means not overdoing things, nor underdoing them. Remember, you can stay happy as long as there are no corresponding pains, according to Epicurus. The wise man drinks a little to attain pleasure, but not so much he will cause himself a hangover. And it goes on from there. But really, the reality is this excessive consumption that I do. I mean, my goodness, you should see the, the amount of fishing poles I have. And how much I think about it, or not even just fishing poles. The number of lures is astounding and ridiculous because I don't even use them. I have them. I've spent a fortune, totally stupid, and I don't even utilize them. So, and then the amount of, I always have a TV going on in the background. It's that sort of thing. I'm always online. I'm always looking at my LinkedIn you know, or my work sites, my work um, websites and whatnot, I, it's constant. And so really I've been trying to put God first, starting my day on my knees, turn on music and keep that on until noon and staying away as much as possible from the internet, which obviously I found this this post, so I failed. Um, but really just doing my best at cutting down. I don't have that TV on first thing in the morning. Instead, I have music. And it's Christian music. And I read my Bible. I read Tozer. Now I'm reading Spurgeon. And <clears throat> I'm trying to get that stimulation that overstimulation out of my life in some way because my overstimulation turns into overconsumption and that's just not the right place to be. So with that, that's kind of where I'm at right now um, and that's where we're at. I'm at with, the, with contentment and resting in God. I've been told by him numerous times to rest in him and allow him and I struggle with that. So anyways, this is just trying to be completely transparent. Um, so now going on to our readings, it's going to be Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we're reading all the way through to chapter 5, verse 10. So with that, let's just go ahead and get started. Therefore, since God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. And I, I feel like right there, we do not use secret and dis, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. I feel like that's part of this whole overconsumption that I'm trying to get rid of out of my life. Just be that as it may. We don't, do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, 
we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. So these guys are going through some pretty tough times, right? And yet they're overcoming because they have the light of God in them. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is in is at work in you. It is written I be, it is written I believed therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So they're just encouraging them and reminding them that even though they're, they're struggling, they're having problems, maybe it's life and death situations, they need to remember that Jesus will present them to God. And it's, they have that assurance that no matter what they're going through, Christ is with them. Verse 16, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So it gets back to we're spirits with a human body, and that spirit is eternal. The body is temporary. And so it's just remembering that. Focus on the spiritual, what God has for us, what Christ has done for us, not on what this world has and has done for us or done to us. So chapter 5, verse 1, awaiting the new body. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our, with our, heaven, heavenly, our heavenly dwelling. Let me just re, restart from verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. 
For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So, you know, they're doing the, the analogy. We have an earthly tent, but we have a heavenly home or house. So it's an eternal house and building in heaven compared to an earthly tent. And that they long for that building and that, that heavenly building and home over today's earthly tent. Verse 5. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home, in the body we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make, our, make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So they long to be in heaven, in their heavenly bodies, but they know that they can't be at this point because they have work to do. So they focus on the Lord and focus on achieving good and doing what good for the glory of God. I know at times when I'm reading and I'm going through tough times, I sure don't feel like, you know, continuing in that path and doing good. And I know some people who act like, yeah, they never have any issues and there's nothing, anything that gets them down. But I wanted to also just quickly read a little bit, a passage from Charles Spurgeon and his sermon that he had on these same chapters, these same verses. And he's, and this is coming when he's talking about verses 8 and 9. And the verses say, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. The apostle here is here speaking for himself and all the members of the apostolic college, and also for all the early saints. They appear to have been very much troubled, and sometimes to have been very much perplexed. So even the saints had lots of issues and challenges, and they also had questions. They didn't understand things. I meet, and then he goes on to say, I meet with certain brethren now and then who have no troubles. They are so supremely wise that they are never perplexed, and so eminently holy that they do not appear to belong to the ordinary democracy of Christianity, but are altogether supernatural beings. Well, I do not believe, belong to that clique, and it does not seem to me that Paul and the apostles and the early Christians did either. Those great pioneers of the church of Christ were men who were troubled on every side, perplexed, persecuted, cast down. In fact, they were men of like passions with ourselves. So be encouraged. You have struggles. I have struggles. The apostles had struggles. Men who walked with Jesus Men from the early church, women from the early church, they all had questions. They were perplexed at times. You may see some preacher, you may talk to some brother or sister, and nothing ever gets them. They're never, they never have a question. They never have a concern. They always have it together. Well, those people, according to Paul and according to Spurgeon, we all don't, we don't belong to that group. 
we, most people, we're the ones who have those issues and those challenges. And even the, the leaders of our early church, our apostles. So encourage, be encouraged, because folk, when you focus on Christ, when I focus on Christ, I know I get into a much better place. Doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean it's simple, and doesn't mean I do it every single time. Heck, a lot of the times, I'm like focused on the issue and not on God. So be encouraged and keep moving forward. And with that, I'm just going to close with a quick prayer. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. My God, you are awesome. My God, you are my, my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for all that you do. I pray that we would be able to focus on you during our trials, focus on you during our successes, and that all, in all things we would praise you and rest in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a fabulous day.